It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Right here with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. All right, friends. What's the first thing you need to know about money? You ever think about that? We have an opinion for you. Mm. Have you ever heard of the rule of 72? Coming up on this episode of Wise Money, we're talking about the rule of 72, what it is, how you calculate it, and more importantly, how do you apply it in your financial life? Second half of the program, we're going to be taking questions from fans of the show. You want to send us your question? We'd love to help. Reach out to us online, wisemoneyshow.com. It's about to submit questions right there on the right. Turns into an email, comes right to me. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Then all over social media, that's where we get the most engagement from fans. You'll find us on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, all that. Wherever you're at, we're there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. You can submit questions there as well. All right, so what is, what's the what's the first thing you need to know about money? And, and how do you almost gamify building wealth? What is it? You know, uh, we, we were talking about this before the show started, and I, I shared that my earliest memory of, of uh, financial concepts, it, it doesn't go back that far, really. It was in college, but one of the very first things they taught us was this rule of 72 and how to apply it. It was, it was in a finance class, maybe may have even been a personal finance class. But uh, basically what it is is it's just kind of uh, a quick little math problem that you can do um, to you figure out, man. I know, I, I couldn't believe actually that you came up with a topic for this show. We have a rule, Mike. That's right. It's don't do math on, on the radio. No, the rule of 72 is basically a way for you to figure out um, how to double your money uh, using either time or a certain rate of return as the thing that you're, you're trying to calculate. So the rule of 72 would say, if you have a certain number of years to double your money, divide 72 by that number of years, and it will tell you what rate of return you would have to earn in order to double your money in that, in that period of time. But the math works the opposite way as well. If uh, you know a certain rate of return that you're gonna be earning, if that's knowable, divide 72 by that rate of return, and now you know how many years it's gonna take you to double your money. And oftentimes we do approach it from, from that angle, and that is, okay, this, the, your risk tolerance, your comfort zone from an investment approach, this type of portfolio should, should produce an average rate of return, not each and every year, but an average rate of X, right? And then 72 divided by X, all right, so therefore this type of portfolio will help you double your money within this many years. And so to gamify all this, it's, Kevin said before we started, I mean, really the idea of building wealth is how many doubles can you get in your lifetime? How many doubles can you get in your lifetime? I mean, that is that is the name of the game. And that's why, that's why we tell you, and you know, it's so important to start early. It's important to be saving the right amount. And it's important to be taking the right level of risk. 
That's exactly right. You know, I, I had a, um, a new uh, individual come into our office. They were trying to decide whether or not they were going to uh, utilize the services of a financial advisor for the very first time in their life, two and a half years from retirement. And, you know, I'm interviewing them, trying to understand what work have they done up to this point. And they had accumulated a certain amount of money, and he had a certain idea of how much money he needed to have by the time he got to, to retirement, and it was about two, two years out. And um, he said he needed to double his money in two years. And, of course, instantly I'm going to the rule of 72, right? Oh, I thought okay. you started talking about Tesla stock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the uh, IPO market. I, you know, I, I was able to quantify for him very rapidly, hey, if you wanted to or needed to double your money in two years, that's 36% per year that you would have to earn. And that's a level of risk, or, or I may dare say speculation, that you should not be doing on the eve of retirement, especially not, you know, 10, 11 years into a bull market run at the time. And um, well, I don't know if you happen to have this conversation on March 27th of this year. Yeah, good, good point. <laughs> um, but the, the problem is, to, to your point, had he done everything he needed to up to that two-year window before retirement, if he had started earlier, maybe that doubling actually could have happened earlier in his life um, if he had just gotten started earlier. Most of the time, when you talk about doubling your money, I, I think of this town in Ireland that I'd love to, I'd love to visit someday. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's bad. Dad that wasn't joke. funny the first time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was funny. Uh, it's uh, you, Kevin mentioned. I mean, you, you think of well, how much money do I need to be contributing in order to get my current nest egg to be twice its size? But we'd rather, yes, yes, absolutely. Building wealth requires your contribution, and yet at the same time, uh, we want you to be thinking about compound interest, and that is that. That's that average rate of return. So, Kevin, I, I have this sense that you're doing math over there. What 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 wisdom can you share with us? Well, I th I think you know this this whole idea came out of uh, a Saturday afternoon that I spent with my son Caleb and his friends uh, Peter and Jonah talking about what are the first things you guys need to know about money because they had said you know Mr. Corn I've got a couple of bucks and you know could you help me with some things and um, so the, the one to many model works best when you when you're working with little grasshoppers and uh, <laughs> so um, and so we were uh, and actually Vince was there as well didn't mean to leave Vince out but um, so I, we talked about all of these concepts that they were never taught in school. They had the benefits of a classical education, but they didn't learn a ding-dong thing about money. So they have mastered uh, most of the, I don't know if you, the, 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 it sounds unkind to say it, but they've mastered the, the impractical matters uh, <laughs> of the life of the mind, but the practical, how do you, how do you implement it? How do you not let years and years and years go by? Um, and I, sh I had them bring in their tax returns and I showed them in their prior year where they left money on the table. Uh, it had to do with a 529 plan for a couple of them. And then this year, one of them will benefit from the retirement savers credit. Mm, nice. and, and so they don't, 
but again, they had no idea what what we were talking about. And one of the big concepts was, hey, what do you do with this money? If you you know, with this money, if my mindset is I I invest it and let it grow for the next forty five years, what is this thousand dollars worth versus I take this thousand dollars and go buy a really cool stereo system? Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's what I did. So <laughs> <laughs> they don't buy those anymore. Um, but it was cool. Uh, the speakers were about three and a half feet tall. Anyways, so so we, so you look at this and and this opportunity cost, and it's very interesting because the this is a different generation, and most of these kids very different. Uh, from my generation, my generation, we grew up, we didn't have that stuff. So we wanted to go get it. We wanted to go buy our own car. We wanted to buy this, buy this, buy this for ourselves. A lot of these kids have that stuff for themselves. So I go, what do I do with this money? I, I've got very basic transportation. I don't need to spend money on that. Hey, put, the, put some of that money away for the long term. Look at an Indiana 529 plan for yourself to zero out your uh, your state tax liability, some of these other things. And so, but the, the, the key thing, and we said, what's the first thing that you want to know is how to double your money. That's right. And we're going to, uh, you know, it's interesting to be talking about this right now, because I wonder about in this current economic and financial climate, is it even, it, it, has it changed? Has it changed? So what are the implications of Rule 72 when you apply it to right now? That's what we've got coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Let's play a game. How, how many doubles can you get in your finances over your lifetime? How many doubles does it take of your nest egg to get you from wherever you're at right now to retirement? And uh, that's what we're talking about today, really the rule of 72 and how to apply it. And what's coming up right now is how do you apply it in today's very tricky financial situation? This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory. Stay connected to the Wise Money Show. You'll find us on uh, online, wisemoneyshow.com. And you can engage with us also on social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Follow us there. Just search the Wise Money Show and you can submit questions, comments, engage with us that way. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us there. Okay, so how do you apply? What's the, so let's recap. What's the rule of 72 about doubling your money? And then how do you apply it in today's environment? Yeah, just a reminder, the the rule of 72 is just a a quick math formula to help you figure out how to double your money if you have a certain number of years to get that done in or a certain rate of return that you believe you're going to be able to achieve. So here's how it works. If you take 72 and divide it by a 10% rate of return, it's going to take you 7.2 years to double your money. So, but you've got to get a 10% rate of return That's right. each year so, on average. Uh, on the other hand, you could you could do the opposite and say 72 divided by a number of years, like nine years, means you need to earn an 8% rate of return in order to double your money in that nine years. So it's a quick way for you to to maybe test what what's realistic for you as far as rate of return, what kind of expectations maybe could you could you have um, in, in your financial life? But, um, you know, this this question of how many doubles, though, 
um, it, it is a series of doubles that uh, it, it's going to take a series of doubles for you to be able to achieve your most important goals. And the reason that we say it's so important to get started early is because early on, your doubles could happen just by saving more money, right? You know, if, if you've got $3,000 in a Roth IRA, you might be able to double your money in one year by just saving another $3,000 without earning any kind of rate of return. But as you get further along and as the doubles start to happen because the investments are performing for you, not just because you're adding to the accounts, that's where the real power comes. When the nest egg itself is rolling over and doubling up for you given enough time. And so the, the principle here is that you have to let this money work for you. You have to put it at risk. It has to be able to earn some sort of rate of return. I, I want my kids to understand that if they throw $100 into a bank account and it earns them 1%, it's going to take them 72 years to double their money, <laughs> right? However, if, if that same $100 they could be adding over time and they're actually exposing it to investments that can give them a fair rate of return, some growth potential, maybe there could be many doubles during their lifetime. All right, what are the implications right now? We've got stocks that are high. We've got interest rates that are low. I, I mean, is this – we, a couple weeks ago we talked about the, the four uh, tragic – words that an investor could say. And um, and so can you apply the rule of 72 at this moment moving forward? What would you tell those that might be skeptical right now and say, well, that worked in the past. Maybe it's not going to work in the future. <laughs> well, the rule, the rule 72 is like gravity, right? Like it, it works. The question, what I think what most people might be thinking when they ask that question is, well, yeah, the stock market has historically returned 10%, but I've heard the outlook for long-term equity returns is middle to low <laughs> usually, single digits. It usually does sound like that. You know, they were, talking about, they were talking about the new normal. Some of the smartest people on the planet were talking about the new normal. Oh, you know, low single-digit rate of returns from this point forward in 2009. That's 11 years ago. We have not seen that has not yeah. been the experience. Yeah. No, actually, the S&P 500 is up 400% since that point in time. And, and Warren Buffett, uh, one of the smartest guys as it relates to investing in our lifetime, said he was looking at single digits, mm -hmm. like low single digits. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important to, to first recognize this rule of 72. It's theoretical, but it is math. If, yes, you could earn 8% compounding each year, you could double your money in nine years per the, per the formula. The, the question, though, is can you achieve 8% per year compounding? And, and the answer is the stock market doesn't work that way, right? It, it doesn't give you an exact 8% predictable return every single year for nine years straight. It's up and down. It's kind of a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride. There may be some years where it's up 15% and the next year it's only up six. But the, the question is, over time, if you use a diversified mix of investments that's, that's appropriate for your level of risk tolerance and comfort level and your experience, and then also match it to your time horizon, 
if you're using that mix of investments, you should be able to have some kind of expectations of what about what the average rate of return would be. Yeah, the problem is, Josh, when you said one year it returns 15, the next year it returns six, this year, one month it was up 10, the next month we were down 34, six months later we're up 10 again, you know? So it is absolutely wild. But um, let me let me... Let me hit this. We've never seen interest rates at zero. Right? I think 80% of all bonds out there are paying less than 2%, I think. And uh, in the stock market valuations, the last time valuations were this high, we had, quote unquote, the lost decade. Uh, playing devil's advocate, is, is, uh, is, would, you still tell, would you still do that same rule of 72 math for a client coming in today? I, I think so, just because it gives them a frame of reference on what is possible. Right? I, I I don't even hesitate. I absolutely would. I yes, I absolutely would and I would talk about the risk, but it is still just math. And that's why you need to be diversified. That's why you need to be um, you know, uh, looking at your overall retirement plan, making sure you know what you need to be doing to be on track, but absolutely you apply the rule of 72 even today. That's right. And and what you have to be adaptive with is how you go achieve that rate of return that's going into the formula. Yes. The formula works all the time, every time. It's just simple division, right? You learn how to do it in third grade, or maybe it's kindergarten these days. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was uh, multiplication. At, at home. <laughs> but the, the point, though, is, um, a, as you said, this is an environment where the traditional older investments of a of a bond portfolio kicking off 8%. There was a day and a time early in my lifetime when you could earn 8% in just a, a simple bond portfolio. Um, but that's not today. And so in order to go earn that 8%, it may take a different mix of investments, a different strategy, and uh, it might need to be different five years from now as well. We're going to be talking about that I, I, coming up in a future episode. I, 60-40 is dead. 60, your 60-40 mix, I, you've got to think differently. You've got to think differently. And this, you know, the, you think we've been talking about the importance of comprehensive financial planning up to this point? It, it, guys, it is extremely more important moving forward because of how the environment has changed. And so we'll, we'll be talking about, but the, the, the point is we emphasize Warren Buffett and we emphasized uh, these just incredibly talented individuals who have just sort of gotten it wrong. The truth is, there's no way to predict the future. You just can't. I think given today's environment, the future is very VUCA. It's volatile. It's uncertain, right? And so I I, I think we, we've got a lot of risk today, but I would still, I would still project out that rule of 72 moving forward. So then the question is, where do you want to apply that doubling, <laughs> that doubling, what type of account, and then how do you structure your investments to give yourself the best chance of reaching that? That's where we're taking this, applying it. Next, coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Where do you want to apply the rule of 72 in, um, in my finances? Well, I know that, but what type of account, what type of account do you want to see that, that doubling occur? Um, 
Not an obvious answer. We're going to tell you about that and more coming up here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin and Josh. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, if you've missed anything, it's right there on podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Do me a favor, subscribe to it and, and rate the show. Leave a comment there. And that, that helps others who are looking for podcast material on wise financial principles, helps them find us. And we appreciate the feedback as well. So find us on podcast. All right. So, you know, the rule of 72. And uh, we've talked about a couple of ways you can apply it in, in the implication of it. But you actually have a choice as to where you invest. I mean, where do you want this sort of doubling to occur? What type of account? Let's talk about how you apply this really in the context of tax planning. Well, you would want for sure. I mean, when you think about that, I, I'm sure most folks listening right now are, are not saying, well, I want certain accounts to grow really effectively and other accounts uh, to stink up the house. Yeah, we do yeah. not want that kind of growth happening in that account. But they, certainly within your tax sheltered accounts. So if you if you you could have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, you could have a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k. These various components within these retirement plans, and um, what makes a lot of sense is to figure out, and again, this goes back to the six areas of financial planning, what should that mix be of investments uh, within these various types? Because you can just have a straight up non-retirement, just a joint account with your spouse or an individual account of your own with a transfer on death on it, what have you. Um, so when you when you look at that, the the there is a distinct advantage to growing money in a tax favored environment, mm-hmm. in that if I need to change strategies, or if I need to um, make an adjustment, or I just need to do a simple rebalance, I'm not going to be punished if I'm doing that in my uh, accounts that are are not going to uh, give me a 1099 at the end of the year and say pay taxes on this amount. I mean, th- th- really, this this concept of where where do you want this doubling to occur? Yeah, all of my investments. But it goes back to which tax shelters make sense for your overall financial plan. And that's the one that's the mistake that we see lots of people come in and we and we need to help them correct is why do you have this money sitting over here when you could be funding this type of tax shelter with that money and kind of filtering it in there to have the future growth growing in a tax favorable way. Well, and and who would have known that the spring of 2020 was going to give such an amazing opportunity for that to occur. But we had clients who they have a goal of, of funding their kids' college education, for example. I'm thinking of a couple that came in, and normally their pattern has always been, we just always do it in December. We throw money into a 529 plan because at least in Indiana, we know that they're going to get a 20% tax credit on their Indiana return by doing that. So we, we always make sure we get that done. But this year, when the stock market was plummeting in February and March, all of a sudden we said, hey, you know... We need to scrape together whatever money it's going to take, get that money into the 529 plan right now, because we know it's an amazing buying opportunity. And, you know, we didn't know at the time that the market was just going to completely reverse course and climb so rapidly as as it has. 
but we knew it was a good buying opportunity. And, and the rationale was, listen, if we can get in now, any growth that occurs is happening inside that 529 plan, which is going to be tax-free growth. And that, to me, is the short answer to your question. Hey, if you could pick between different tax shelters, to me, the one that gives you a doubling of your money and it's completely tax-free, man, that gets my attention. Mm-hmm. So Roth IRA is another example of that. But, but this 529 plan, um, you know, it's, it's already up big this year um, just simply because they, they bought at the right time and they were paying attention to the fact, exactly what Kevin just said, get it out of accounts where as you earn money, you pay taxes. Right. We want to have that doubling happening in accounts where um, it, it, it's going to be tax-free to you. And, you know, the account, the other account that comes to mind is the HSA. And I'm going to tie this into the sort of the final topic on this, and that is how do you, how do you structure the investments to go out and achieve that doubling? Because in your HSA, where the growth is tax-free, most of them are not set up to double in this, in this century, right? right? Because they're not invested appropriately. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what, let's talk about the importance of the right investment approach in order to leverage this Rule of 72. Well, the only thing I was going to clarify on that, though, some HSAs are not invested at all. They're in essentially a savings-type vehicle because it's temporary money that isn't positioned for growth. It's, it's money you know you're going to spend. So that might be appropriate for some people. But many folks don't realize that the health savings account can be an investment tool for you. It can grow for a long time, even use it as a retirement funding vehicle. And if that's the case, yeah, it's another one of these amazing places to get a doubling happening with no tax consequences to you in the long run. Yeah. Okay. So when I think of investing in a way to have a chance, have a shot at reaching the the rule of 72 and leveraging its power, I think of the uh, the Dalbar study that we have talked about in the past here on this show, and that is that you go back over, you know, throughout history and stocks, U.S. stocks tend to perform uh, around 10 to even 12 percent. And if you're diversified with some of that being in bonds, then you might be expecting an 8 to 10 percent rate of return over time. But the average investor, says the research and folks at Dalbar, the average investor, their performance is closer to 3% per year on average over time, which if you just apply the simple math, I'm not going to do it here on the show. (laughs) Um, In the rule of 72, it's going to take you, let's just say, much longer to double your money. Four years. If you're, oh my goodness, brilliant. Uh, Much longer (laughs) to double your money than the historical returns of the stock market. So how, how do you get the optimal rate of return for your level of risk? And we would say it's following the, a prudent investment approach that's connected with your overall financial plan. We believe in having a diversified mix of low cost but high quality mutual funds, complementing that with a momentum strategy. But then not doing any self-sabotaging, yes. right? Because it's our own self-defeating um, behaviors often that limit our rates of return over time. And I got to tell you, it's in years like this one where there's an election happening, right? Where there is you have a a story you're telling yourself in your mind that depending on how this election goes, 
the, the whole world's going to melt down or it's going to be great. One of the two. And if it doesn't go your way or it doesn't fulfill your expectations, maybe all of a sudden you get real protective, you get real defensive with the money, and you you take your eye off that long-term game plan and you start doing things that actually limit your, your true rate it's of return. It's already started happening, and there is incredible conviction, and people are so wrong and so convinced they're right. And don't don't feel bad if you're hearing this because if you can hear this, you are hardwired to be a horrible investor. Have, yeah. That's how we were actually made, and it's part of what allows us to actually survive on this earth, but it also makes us bad investors. So you've got to have the right investment philosophy, and then you've got to stick to it. So you've got to have the right discipline, and really the best way to do that is be unemotional and be teamed up with a certified financial planner who's a fiduciary and doing what's in your best interest to reach your overall financial plan. All right, we've got questions from fans uh, from the show coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, and then subscribe to it and turn on notifications. We appreciate that. You'll get every episode of the Wise Money Show as well as our daily financial nuggets, daily financial updates, how you can apply financial wisdom to what's going on in the world of finance. You'll see that right there. So go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show and subscribe to it. Thank you very much. All right, we're transitioning into some questions from fans of the show. And we actually have some some questions from uh, that actually all were from the YouTube channel, and they really line in with the line up with the headlining topic today. First one comes from Donna. She submitted this on YouTube oh, a few weeks ago. Here, I will max out my 401k this year, and I was going to max out my Roth IRA after that. My question is, should I or can I max out a Roth IRA for my husband as well? How much money can you make and still do a Roth IRA? Also. I've heard people say that after 35 years old, you don't want to put money in a Roth. Why not? I'm 36. Should I be putting money in a different place? Great question, Don. I reached out to her with my response shortly after she submitted that question. But what do you guys think? Uh, you didn't share the right answer with us so no. we could be prepared? No. <laughs> no. No. What, what a great question. And obviously a whole bunch of questions kind of wrapped up in one. Um, you know, we... Um, Donna, when, when you're getting ready for retirement, it's often common, especially if you get to that stage where you're maybe empty nesters and you're, you're done launching kids um, from your home and, and now you can focus on this long-term goal. A lot of people really try to ramp up their contributions at that time, maybe making up for some lost time. This happens to be often um, many people's peak earning years. And so they have some extra discretionary income. So it's, it's great that you're funding your 401k. You, you said you're going to max out your own Roth IRA. And then you asked whether or not you could do the same for your, your husband. 
And the answer is, yeah, you, you can do a spousal contribution to a Roth IRA as long as you have enough earned income. Um, so that's the first question. If um, is, there are some folks out there that maybe are even in retirement and they're working a part-time job, as long as you have enough earned income or think paycheck money here, money that would show up on your W-2 or from a, a small business you're running um, kind of on the side, that type of money allows you to be eligible to fund a Roth IRA. And if you have enough of that, you can do one for you and one for your spouse as well. So basically those contribution limits get really geeky here. Your limit is 100% of what you make up to, uh, 100% of what you earn, your paycheck money, I like that, okay, up to $6,000 if you're younger than age 50 or $7,000 if you're age 50 or older, those are 2020 limits. And uh, I, I, when I made this response to Donna, I got another follow-up question that is, well, um, what, what if I make too much? too much? And so there's mm -hmm. a phase out that begins where if you make too much money, if you're adjusted gross income, blah, if your income on your tax return, the bottom of your first page is, um, they don't even have that. No, yeah, they're still the bottom of the first page. Um, <laughs> If it's uh, for a married, for they a married couple, cut off the bottom of that first page. I know, so so dumb. scattered so, it to the wind. Um, for married, married filing jointly, it, once that number is over two hundred six, you can't do any. And for a single filer, uh, I can't remember his name, but he chimed in with a question on YouTube. Um, that limits one hundred and thirty nine thousand. Let me point out: if you married filing separate, uh, ten grand, ten grand. <laughs> so basically, you can't you can't do a Roth. If you're married filing separately, one of the consequences there of of that choice. So um, that's I've, a that's another show topic too. A lot of people wonder, hey, is there would there be a smart way good. to file separately? And the answer, ninety usually nine point seven percent of the time is nope. All right, can we get to the dessert? Like this is the this is the uh, the 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 cream filling or the the icing on the cake or the cherry on top or you can tell I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> I've heard people say that after 35, you don't want to put money in a Roth. Now, we're not laughing at you, Donna. I actually absolutely love that. But what we are laughing at is everyone who's ever said after 35, you shouldn't do a Roth. That's outrageous. It's outrageous. Yeah. As if, uh, listen, um, 35 is the new 25. And 25 is a new 50. I don't know. But you're young. You are crazy young at 35. I told someone this year or uh, just this week who was 68, he needed to be funding a Roth IRA. Uh -huh. I talked to a guy who was 82, and I said, you can't take your RMD, your required minimum distribution, and put it into your Roth. But everything above that you can take out and convert, convert it to a Roth. And he, he actually didn't believe me at first. He's like, are you sure I can do that? Absolutely, you can do that. Well, so so we, you know, this show, the earlier segments, we've been talking about the rule of 72 and and where would you want to see your money double? Where do you want growth to be occurring? Obviously, inside of a tax shelter allows it to grow more tax efficient. But of all the, the tax shelters out there, there's nothing more tax efficient than tax-free, right? And that's what the Roth IRA does for you. By getting money into a Roth IRA at any age, 
you're putting that money into a position where whatever growth occurs will never be taxed. Whether you're the one who receives that money back to you to spend someday, or maybe you leave it behind to a surviving spouse or the next generation, it doesn't matter. That that money, the growth, is tax-free to you. So there's never an age when the Roth IRA goes out of style, yeah. right? In fact, um, the longer that you give it, the more powerful it becomes. And that's why we love talking to folks who are younger and have many years to let the money double and double again and double a third time all inside of the Roth IRA. But what if you only got one double? That's okay, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And so be just be aware be aware of misinformation out there and you know kevin and i meeting uh this is 10 years ago eight years ago with uh sort of a local celebrity and um he is 65 and thought there was an age limit on contributing to a a, a roth i didn't realize that and so for what it was like the previous 10 years he mm-hmm. hadn't been contributing to a Roth IRA. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, gosh, the, the missed opportunity there. Um, so w- once again, I mean, the, the, the answer isn't, um, all right, we'll tell you all the tedious little details here. It's just to work with someone that's in your corner, a certified financial planner who is going to give you clarity, competence, and creativity. Right. And the challenge is you assume that the person who's preparing your taxes, if you are eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA, they would be saying, hey, did you know that you could do a Roth IRA? You could contribute to one for last year if you get that done before your tax filing deadline. And so you assume, well, if, I, if I'm eligible, they're going to be telling me or, or someone's going to be looking out for me. Your certified financial planner is that person. That's their job. Yep. All right. Ryan chimes in with a great question here. With the stock market being as high as, as it is, how would you recommend investing new money? Ooh, lots of application here. I'm thinking 401k contributions. I'm also thinking, you know, a lump sum, maybe contributions like what Don is talking about to a Roth IRA. You invest, you, you go whole hog into the market right now? Isn't it interesting when the stock market, you know, reaches new highs or it gets into certain peaks, a lot of investors start getting afraid of heights. And like, ah, oh, I got to wait for this thing to come back down before I'm willing to to grab a hold of the strongest wealth building tool in the world, in the history of the world. And, you know, if you need some evidence of this, I want to encourage you to look back to where was the stock market at the year that you were born, however old you are. You know, I looked back to 1979 and the Dow, it it wasn't even in the thousands. It was measured in hundreds back then, right? Makes me feel old. In the summer of... But I, I guarantee you, <laughs> nice try. Uh, <laughs> you were born I, in the summer, though. That's why. That's, anyway. that's true. Okay. I, I guarantee you, though, there were people in 1979 at somewhere in that year that thought, man, the stock market's high right now. Is it safe to even buy in right now? And yet here you are, 41 years. Is that how old I am? 41 years later, look at the wealth that's been created. If you were optimistic about the future and you just let those investments do their thing, the, the buying in, don't be afraid just because of new peaks, because uh, hopefully if the trends continue, there will be new peaks far into the future as well. Hey, and you don't look a day over 40. 
Um, the here, here's something else, and numbers really translate well over the airwaves here. But uh, I got this from a friend of mine. In in 2013, there were 45 new all-time highs in the stock market. In 2014, there were 53 new all-time highs in the stock market. In 2015, there were 10 new all-time highs in the stock market. 2016, there were 18 new all-time highs in the stock market. 2017, I think that was the year after an election, there were 62 new all-time highs in the stock market that year. 2018, happened to be 18 new all-time highs in the stock market. 2019, 35 new all-time highs in the stock market. 2020, up to the time of this uh, this data, there were 14 with a little asterisk, and he, po- he puts including the most unlikely all-time high in history. <laughs> which <laughs> the is one right now. One right now. So listen, that is how the market works, and, and, and that's a great illustration, Josh. Go back to the year you were born and look at look at stocks. I mean, all-time highs, that's well, how the market works. And I, I just did that. I looked at Business Week, August 13th, 1979. The headline, The Death of Equities. Wow. <laughs> so this is, I mean, you couldn't have been more wrong right. if you were trying. So this, this is where, um, you know, we always go back to the, well, is it different this time, et cetera, et cetera. Look, here's the deal. Long-term, you want to own the best, well-run companies in the world. You want to be an owner. And Mm -hmm. to the extent that you can, that's going to allow your money to double. Okay, so what's the answer? With the stock market being as high as it is, how would you recommend investing new money? I mean, the the, the point is, you invest it in in stocks. And and so I I love dollar cost average. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold this on. is money that you're accumulating for a long-term right. goal. No, right. Yeah. I mean, the, our answer is always yeah. according to your plan. Right. We. I just assume, I guess you just assume Ryan is, you know, your own Thinking age. Thinking long-term. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. So, yeah. You're old, that? Ryan. Yeah. So, <laughs> but right. So how would you, it's, a, it's according to your overall financial plan. Yep. Yeah. Right. It, because how would you invest it? talks about the asset allocation when I do stocks, bonds, different flavors of stocks, large, small, mid, international, whatever. But how would you invest it could also talk about what should I do it in a retirement account, a non-retirement account, a 529 plan. So that's why it has to be according to your plan. If if that new money should be going into long-term stock market investments, I wouldn't shy away from it. Dollar cost averaging, so on, but I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from it. So good question, Ryan. Thanks for the question. Thanks for the question, Donna. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at KFG. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.